0: Back up.
1: Welcome to fat guy jack guy today we're packing up our van and heading to the northeast to watch the leave change with our guest alex steed
2: hello <laughs> how's I'm it going to
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> today we're doing our top five fall movies and we're doing it with alex steed host of some of our favorite podcasts we'll give him a chance to introduce himself
2: all right. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm Alex Steed. I uh, uh, co-host a show called "You Are Good," which we call a feelings podcast about movies. I'm involved in, in around a number of other podcasts as well, and I'm a, I'm a photographer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: these are some things. Brendan these are is some also here. He's been very quiet. <laughs>
2: Brendan, what's going you know, on over there? Brendan, welcome to the show. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> Yeah, know. Alex and I are the hosts now. <laughs> How are you?
0: <laughs> I, you look hey, great. Here's the thing, I'm like pretty uh, starstruck, honestly. It's weird to talk to a person who you listen to yeah, every uh, week, those parasocial relationships that are so important to all podcast listeners. It feels like it's you know becoming a little bit more than parasocial right now, which is (laughs) which is strange. I'm just wrapping my mind around that. But but I'm super happy to have you. We're we're stoked about it.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, it is weird. We do talk about you are good like all the time.
2: Well, that's so nice. Thank you. (laughs) I'm glad we're all here. This Um, is a great subject too.
1: Yeah, it is. I think it is. Um, at least I think there's gonna be some unexpected choices, or at least I hope there will be it. But anyway, we're just going to, before we start, we'll just talk about Patreon. Brendan, I'll let you do this one because you're the Patreon master.
0: I'm the <laughs> Patreon expert of Fat Guy Jack Guy. Hey folks, for as little as $3 a month, you can uh, help us become full-time grifters, which is our dream ultimately. So um, go to patreon.com backslash guy. We would love to have your support, love to have you as brothers. Let's do this. Let's talk about fall movies.
1: All right. So I guess we'll just start. We'll uh, start in our fifth position. Like, what is your fifth favorite fall movie? Brendan, do you want to start? Or Alex, do
2: you want to start?
0: Brendan, what do you got? (laughs) Let's Do it. Um, You know, I've been mainlining fall movies for the past uh, five days or so. And this one, I'm going to be honest, and I feel a little bit embarrassed about this. I am from Connecticut, and I had never seen this movie until recently. My number five fall movie is Mystic Pizza. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is so near and dear to my heart and I just didn't know that it was until I watched it like last week. Mystic Pizza has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't tell you anything about this movie. (laughs) You're talking D'Onofrio, you're talking Mm. Roberts, and it's set in a working class Connecticut backdrop, which you almost never see there is interaction between these working class eastern connecticut people who work in this pizza shop called mystic pizza which is a real pizza shop that i believe steph you've eaten there before right
1: yeah yeah (laughs) wings are better than their pizza
0: though (laughs) you wouldn't know that by watching the film (laughs) they make it seem like it's the best connecticut pizza
1: unfortunately Uh, it's not we all know where that is
0: yeah that's new haven folks come on (laughs) And uh, y- you get this slice of life in the fall, Eastern Connecticut, you have lobstermen, we did an entire episode about Maine lobstermen. Oh, yeah. Follows these like young Portuguese American um, <laughs> that part to me. Best Class, Yeah. <laughs> and this, of course, also resonated with me as a Portuguese American. Uh, I particularly enjoyed the The sort of like anti Portuguese sentiment that was throughout the movie. I was like, wow, all right, this is sort of the conflict that they wanted to create while having a film entirely full of white people. Um, (laughs) Other things that really stand out to me in the movie the use of the word boffing to mean, yeah, I didn't know that. Big time. I I learned something new. And uh, my favorite quote from the movie when Julia Roberts is talking to her mom and her mom says, he's not Catholic. Of course, referring to Julia Roberts fancy Connecticut lover. And Julia Roberts says, he's not a Portuguese. He's not poor. He's not a lot of things. That was my favorite line. This movie is just good vibes all around. Set and fall in Connecticut. And this time of year I is the only time of year I actually miss living in New England. So um, yeah, I loved it.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. Uh,
0: so that,
2: that, so it's, it's mystic pizza, which we covered on, you are good. A couple, a couple uh weeks ago, a huge, huge favorite of mine. And it's written by Amy Holden Jones, who has a pretty terrific uh, career overall, but she directed one of my all time favorite movies, which is slumber party massacre, which oh, pre- yeah. preceded, which preceded this. And I believe. She was given the opportunity to edit ET and was like, nope, got to make Slumber Party Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that about Slumber
1: Party Massacre. I'm also a Slumber Party Massacre head, but I didn't know that story. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, she was like, no, I've got incredibly important things to do, well-established blockbuster director. I have to make the weirdest slasher of all time, in which the villain's just a regular man.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yep. I mean, that's (laughs) like a realist slasher, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Totally. Totally, just like a guy in the, I'm wearing, I'm actually wearing the, the killer's outfit from Slumber Party (laughs) Massacre right now, inadvertently, which is a denim jacket and just jeans and boots.
1: (laughs) It's you, no, I'm kidding.
2: (laughs) Great, I'll, I'll talk more about it after, but I don't, I don't know if you have this on your list, Steph, but I have this as number two, so I'm very excited.
1: Oh, I actually didn't put it on my list specifically because I knew Brendan was going to, (laughs) we talked about it kind of, like, when yeah. he first watched it, because he hadn't seen it, I've seen it a bunch of times, and yeah, he he hadn't seen it, and we talked about it after he saw it, and I knew that because he, he liked it so much that he was going to put it on here. So
2: I have it as number two. I think that this is like a fantastic movie. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has never looked better. I Vincent Philip D'Onofrio, as I recall from the uh, <laughs> yes. from the uh, uh, intro <laughs> credits. Great movie about extremely inappropriate relationships with the person who hires you to be their babysitter. Great movie about just like class anxiety that they were like, maybe people don't understand class. So we'll just make the women Portuguese. Like, I think that that's what happened. I think that they were like, this is about class, but this is also America. And like, we don't really talk about that in the 80s. Um, so I think that they were like, okay, they're Portuguese people vaguely understand racism. So white people (laughs) in particular, so so yeah, I love I love this movie a whole lot. And it's it's like really what launched uh, Julia Roberts career. She's so great. Lily Taylor is fantastic in this movie. And like, unabashed, just like, like sex starved, uh, woman who's unapologetic about it. I I love this movie.
1: Yeah, I also love Mystic Pizza. I think Vincent D'Onofrio, true, he has never looked so good. He's very hot in that movie, but also he kind of reminds me of my dad in the 80s, so it's okay, like, yeah. so weird. Confusing.
2: It's confusing. I mean,
0: yeah, D'Onofrio, so looked, he looked hot, and I also think the descriptions of him as a man that someone wants to have sex with made him hotter, like yes. when yeah. she's talking about like how thick his wrists are. His wrists? Yeah, he's yeah. got a good
1: dick, that's what that means. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, oh, right. okay
2: also like she like at some point like roberts wrecks this dude's car by putting like yeah fish yeah. in it which is great i love it i love i've certainly dated absolute you know charismatic basket cases in my life because i too i feel like my charismatic basket case so i really i i appreciated that
1: well brendan and i have had our fair share too so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> about i don't
0: know what
2: Absolutely. it is
1: totally.
2: totally yeah alex, you're like maybe like this will change it all and then it's <laughs> like yeah now i'm just <laughs> in trouble
1: <laughs> alex what's your number five
2: my number five is i and i just want to preempt this by saying my entire list is not horror movies um but halloween is my number five which i have like a whole new yeah. i i love halloween it's like one movie that i will certainly watch you know during during the halloween season it takes place in halloween in illinois but it's very obviously uh uh, like pasadena it's like extremely obviously california which i have a whole new appreciation for because i'm in la now it feels like walking through burbank and and uh but i just like i i like the feeling i like the vibe i like that it's telling you what it is it is a movie about halloween and then you're left to just like imagine that that's the truth and that it's like fall but uh, yeah i i like it less because it's it looks and feels like the season and more because like it represents to me that we are like fully in the season
1: yeah that makes sense I, i mean i love halloween i'm a big john carpenter person so yeah <laughs> um halloween definitely makes me feel like i'm like right there and like it has the vibes like there's the leaves are falling as like every scene happens in every scene there is and every scene that is outside there are leaves falling and i'm from yes. florida so i've n- i've never experienced that unless i purposely put myself in that situation i've never just experienced it as like a regular occurrence in my life because that does sure. happen so yeah that is definitely like that you can feel the the fall energy so hard in that movie.
2: <laughs> totally. And I like any, I mean, it's like it's like a movie about fall like from innocence. Like it's like, it's like a perfect, it's like sort of like works as metaphor. Like it's about, you know, obviously this like innocent babysitter has to kind of like come to grips with the fact that the rest of your life is just gonna try to kill you. So like I like that a whole lot. And like I yeah, I like I like the whole thing. I love it. I love that movie so much. I'll watch it a hundred more times before I die.
1: Yeah. What did you think about the, the whole <laughs> what did you think about the latest trilogy?
2: I loved the first and third movie and I thought the second movie was pretty unnecessary. I, <laughs> I liked, um, I liked the third movie. like a lot of people, I don't know. I actually don't know what the real consensus was because it felt like one of those things where it was like immediately, like a bunch of people were like, this is great. Then a bunch of people were like, this is terrible. Then a, then it, anytime you like look for what people were saying, people were saying it was great. I, I, I love that it like swung the this latest installation in particular like swung for the fence. It did not see a ball. It didn't try to like like just swing out of the park. It, it and it did every time all swings, which is a weird vibe for a movie. And it it did this thing where like so like at the end of the day, like Halloween is about a codependent relationship between these like between like Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. Like it just they can't live without it. It's a Batman and Joker relationship, really. And so like, they have that going on. And then they have this, I don't know if you've seen it. Did you see the new Halloween? Yeah. yeah. So it has like this whole like subplot that people either loved or hated. And the subplot is her granddaughter falls in love with someone who may or may not be trouble for her. And, And Lori is like, honey, like I've been in a 40 year codependent relationship with someone who's bad for me. Like, listen, to me and people are like it's unnecessary you know it's like it's a fucking sorry can I swear on this it's a a meta it's a meta commentary about the entire series it's so brilliant and they have the audacity to murder a child it's great I love the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) I loved it
0: one of Steph's favorite things to do during spooky season was send me like John Carpenter quotes (laughs) what about killing a kid remember that the yeah, best. he
1: said kids get killed. Who cares? <laughs>
2: it's the best. My favorite one of his. My favorite one of his because he was always so curmudgeon. And I love John Carpenter so much. And he was, I was just like, I will drive around. I was just yesterday driving around listening to the the theme from They Live. Like I love John Carpenter. I like so much so that I like unironically listen to his music. And the um he he. he always had hangups about sequels and stuff like that and understandably like i feel like probably making movies within the industry is, is shitty but he said uh there's this great one that's like broken down like in a meme format where he says like i love this time of year whenever they make a new halloween because because <laughs> because they make the movie Three months goes by, I'm sitting on my couch and I get a check.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. That one's
2: like the best. <laughs> it's so good. Like he's really figured it out. And he's like apparently like a big gamer. I don't yeah, know if you know this.
1: PlayStation. Yeah. PlayStation. So good. So weird.
2: Love it. What's what's your what's your number five stuff?
1: Okay, I cheated a little bit. I couldn't, oh man, I couldn't pick between these two. So I just put them on here because I was like, well. Yeah. yeah they're old enough so people kind of like are familiar with them they're part of our like zeitgeist i feel like but it's between practical magic and oh, nice. school of rock
2: nice, nice. oh of- school of rocks a great one yeah
1: yeah and i guess people don't really think of school of rock as a fall movie it does take place in the fall though and it <laughs> like it's like right after school starts you know it's like october october november e Everybody kind of has like light jackets and, and scarves. So it's it feels, and when they go outside, it feels like fall, all the trees are getting mm. bare. And, and you know, it's just that time of year in school where the breaks are start, it seems like that time of year in school where the breaks are starting to come up and mm-hmm. everyone's just like tired and exhausted. <laughs> and like, yeah. you can kind of see it in Joan Cusack's character and Principal Mullins. She's, you know, had it. Uh, mm-hmm. she, I mean, then Jack Black, of course, like helps her, Jack Black's character, Dewey, like helps her come out of her shell and everything. But, you know, she's like kind of had it and is like kind of at the end of her rope. One of the teachers, the teacher that Dewey replaces is like unexpectedly out or whatever. So, you know, she's just trying to keep things together, I guess, before the semester ends. And you get that feeling, and that's how it kind of feels to be in school around that time. So that's whenever I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, like I completely understand where she's at.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, you know, Practical Magic is just like a classic. It's you know, it's filmed in in the Pacific Northwest. I think it was filmed on this like small island in Washington, (laughs) which is a different kind of fall than we're talking about right now. Like that, we've mostly been talking about like the Midwest and Northeast fall but it fe- like everything about it feels like fall They you know they also the girls participate in halloween so you know the time period is like around that time and it's just it's so dusky and the colors are so like muted and orangey you know like sepia even nicole kidman's whole wardrobe is like sepia mm-hmm. and their makeup is all sepia too so it, you can feel, like, that that fall energy from the, from it. And I just, yeah, I love both these stories. Like, I love the story of Jack Black, like, trans you know, Dewey Finn, like, transforming this school. And I love the story in Black Practical Magic of, like, trying to save someone you love from somebody who's hurting them so badly. And then, like, you fuck that up, too. <laughs> so you have to, like, figure how to get yourself out of it. They just both stick with me a lot. You know, I was mm. young when Practical Magic first came out, but I remember watching it with my aunt and we still watch it together all the time, so.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's great to bring up the fact that fall is a vibe, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It could be so many different things. Like you still get the fall vibe in South Florida, even though there are no real changes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hurricanes in November. But um, it still feels like fall to me. It's something that has to do with your, like, internal clock shifting towards, I don't know, recognition of death. I feel like that has to be part of it, too. Which might transition into my my number four.
2: Actually. Ooh, ooh, what is
0: it? <laughs> so this is real English teacher stuff, so I want to apologize. Oh, I know. <laughs> this, this is a film that I used to watch with my classmates. When I was teaching this work of literature. I know what it is. I can't believe I didn't put this on. <laughs> yeah. I am talking about the 2010 Patrick Stewart version I of I didn't Macbeth. see this coming. I yeah. thought
2: you were going to see Dead Poets. I thought, you were gonna I see thought so, too.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't what's wow. society on here. Uh, I'm talking about Macbeth.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: yeah. That's amazing. This out. That's right. I used to watch this. In October and November, the unit I'm currently teaching right now, uh, which replaced Macbeth. I know people don't really like Shakespeare anymore, which bums me out because I absolutely love Shakespeare. And Macbeth specifically was one of my favorite things to teach. It was a fall treat for me. I would get really excited about that first day with the act one, scene one of the witches and creating like a spooky atmosphere where it's like, ooh, really feels like spooky season, it's Macbeth. It's also Shakespeare's like spookiest play. <laughs> so this particular version of Macbeth is set in a proto-fascist modern era where mm. Stuart playing Macbeth ascends to power like something akin to Mussolini, Hitler. They might've also intended Stalin, but we'll, we'll leave that out. The wardrobe is 1940ish, uh, sexy as hell. It also Mm -hmm. is an adaptation of a stage play, but unlike so many other adaptations of stage plays, it doesn't feel like an adaptation of a stage play, which can be really annoying to watch. I would show this particular scene where Banquo's ghost comes back to haunt Macbeth during the feast. Unbelievable (laughs) portrayal by Patrick Stewart, because it's at once terrifying, but also hilarious, which is how it should be. It should Mm -hmm. be a shock to the senses cuz everyone watching macbeth do this on the stage doesn't see the ghost. So he would look ridiculous. But the audience knows that it's terrifying but also look at how ridiculous this man looks. <laughs> I just think it was like the best portrayal of macbeth I've ever seen. The wardrobe, the the acting, all of it was wonderful and I could not resist putting this on my list.
2: That's great. I would I'll I'll check that out. I don't I've never seen it. I've never experienced this version of Macbeth. I didn't. I don't even think I knew it existed.
0: Yeah, it's maybe only for English teachers. <laughs> it's Like a special.
2: You,
1: yeah, we just get special Shakespeare adaptations. That's so nice. To our inbox, you know.
0: We're like, yep. let's not increase your
2: pay. Let's <laughs> get you a special version of Macbeth, and that'll do. The um the uh, have you ever seen? I have a couple notes already. I'm excited, but have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Death of Stalin? Because yeah. you you had I love Death of Stalin Amazing. so much, and I can't believe that that didn't make my autumnal list. But like, I love um, I love all things Russian literature generally, and I love that they were like, you know, what would make a hilarious slapstick movie is if is if we took the vibes of all Russian lit from the late 1900s, <laughs> excuse me, the late 1800s, and like made it made it a fun a fun movie. But I look forward to checking that out. And the the one thing I wanted to say from earlier that I I, I missed an opportunity to say to you, Steph is about we did an episode on practical magic Mm -hmm. and i i have long been obsessed i'm I'm like we typically don't uh, on you are good we don't do a lot of background research on the movie because like we just kind of like talk about the feeling more than anything but practical magic is one that i'm i'm fascinated by because i've i've always been fascinated by the dunn family and so the dunn family is john dunn uh was 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 married to joe didion dominic dunn was the court, was like the Vanity Fair, I believe Vanity Fair court reporter who helped popularize the OJ Simpson case the way, well, I mean, obviously that was popular, but he helped sort of bring the, bring the narrative out into the world and inarguably maybe helped make uh, Robert Kardashian in the way that he happened. So like helped facilitate the, like the introduction of the Kardashians in the world and and the thing that launched his career in writing was the, the very unfortunate, very sad strangulation of his daughter, Dominique Dunn, who was in um, um, Poltergeist. Yeah. And I always like knowing that and knowing that Griffin Dunn directed Practical Magic and knowing that he made this movie about this guy who tries to strangle and kill mm-hmm. um, um, the sister. And then gets like cinematic revenge on this guy who only served, I think, three years for strangling and killing Dominic Dunn. Dominique Dunn gets that sort of on-screen revenge where they just yeah. fucking murder that guy. Thankfully, uh, I love it. I love that so much. <laughs> they do
1: fucking murder that guy. They just I mean, murder, murder that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't think great. I need Justice for Sally. She wasn't. She didn't mean it.
2: <laughs> no you're no you're totally right she didn't mean it but it's great it's great <laughs> knowing that a guy whose sister got prematurely and sadly murdered yeah. by someone who didn't, didn't serve much i'm just like you know what do, you know what uh, griffin just get it out just get it like tell a good story get it out get it on screen i love that i love yeah. when when people bring something to it
1: we did our top five um favorite horror films and Pop- poltergeist was on mine Oof. I've loved it since I was a kid and I know just the tragedy that fell almost everyone yeah. except for Craig T. Nelson somehow. No. Totally. The totally.
2: They were like, let him slide. Let that big sweetie. <laughs> let that big sweetie coach. go.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> had to make coach.
2: <laughs> they needed to give, they needed to give who was the who is who's the his sidekick on that? Um, yeah. um They needed to give that guy some life, so we needed to let Coach go. We needed; it was great. I love Coach so much.
0: Oh yeah! I mean, we were going to do an episode on Coach, but it seemed like too much of a stretch.
2: (laughs) It's not. You could do like Coach and like and like uh, Major Dad, and you could just do like all sorts of fucking weird stuff that we watch (laughs) 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 from.
1: that was we like in syndication forever like forever so, so yeah.
2: forever forever <laughs> <laughs> anything that was ever on usa at any point like mm-hmm. was in syndication for 30 years i don't know why or how but it happened who's next and what's next sorry i just dominated You're to You're talk, but, I oh so this is my last horror movie i promise uh is uh it follows which is oh, one of yeah. my one of just my favorite movies period one of my uh it is it is fall start to finish it's like not just fall but like fall in the the collapsed suburbs of detroit so it's like it's like america's autumn um um and, and i feel like i feel like barbarian was a good bookend to this like barbarian feels related to the movie it follows but the um I love It Follows, I love everything about it. I love how it looks, it's extremely creepy. It's about, um, you know, potentially about uh, the anxieties of having sex as a young person. It's potentially about the anxieties of like dealing with STDs or just like the, or the anxiety of just like being in sexual relationships with people. It It's just creepy start to finish. And I love the universe it occupies. It's uh I I've watched that one many times and again I'm sure I will will watch it many more times.
1: Yeah, that was yeah. actually also on my top five flavor horror films. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> it follows. I love it follows. And yes, exactly. I think your I think your first interpretation is the is to me is the one that like hits me the most yeah. every time I watch it is just the anxiety of, like, becoming older and and having to, like, deal with real adult relationships and, like, the complications that come with adult relationships, which, like, sex does complicate everything if we're being real. So it kind of, like, does, like, that for me, it's one of the best comments on, like, just that whole experience of trying to, like, figure out how, as a teenager, supposed to, like, in these relationships with people or like make these connections with people like you're not really like ready for it because like nobody coaches you through it. Right. Um, and so that well, whole, the film is like, uh, to me, that's what it's about.
2: I, yeah. And I love, and, and I know, like, I, I think that like for good reason, the, the read on, on potential sort of like living, living in a world where, uh, The anxiety around like STDs. The reason I never bought into that is I've had a number of STDs over the course of my life. Never had any anxiety about them, but I've always had anxiety about just having sex generally. So like it's (laughs) right. It's like (laughs) it's like I'm not you know whatever. Like take care of yourself, be careful, obviously. But like a real anxiety is like what are we entering into here? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I like the whole thing. Uh, Yeah, and then you have and then by no means giving anything away, but you you some some of the departing imagery is seeing you know people together and being like oh now what you know which is great just really resonant of both the teenage times and now times
1: (laughs) yeah the way that the movie ends too is like perfect because you can't you have no idea what the hell is going to happen and neither do they and it's like so conveyed in like their body language and just the way that they look i love it i love it it's
2: a really great movie so good What's yours, Steph?
1: My number four is election. Sorry to pick another teacher. <laughs> oh, oh, movie. I love it. <laughs> you got a
0: school but, movie theme here, brother. Okay, I but these it. are the
1: last two. These are this. I mean, this is the last one. This is the last school movie <laughs> is election. I had to put election on here because man, it's so freaking good. That's so good. Oh, it's so good. I just don't I actually don't think election gets enough attention, but maybe I'm not paying as much attention as I should. I just oh, it's such a Uh, you know obviously like yeah we can talk about like satire of the american dream and all that and i know that it is satirizing that but it's just yeah it feels like fall (laughs) like there's this movie like feel it is election time in school which is november like regular election time and everybody is dressed in like you know their their fall attire like light jackets scarves the the atmosphere of the film is kind of dismal in a way like everything's kind of gray it's always a little bit overcast there's not really there's like one sunny day in the whole movie and it's just to make fun of matthew broderick's character jim you know because he,
2: like yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. he like wakes up and has the bee sting totally. and he just like squint at the sun so it's just like just to make fun of him but yeah weather is used really like fall weather is used really well in that film and yeah, again, just coming to that time of year where it's like, okay, we're ready to like have the end of semester, and just all the feelings amongst the te- amongst like the teachers and the principal. I love that movie. It's so great, and yeah. obviously Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick like kill in that film. So
0: I remember this movie feeling really bleak when I watched it, and I because I watched it when I still lived in Connecticut. I haven't seen it since then, but it felt so much like the high school that i went to um i remember very clearly the scene with matthew broderick doing sort of his morning routine and one of yeah, those yeah. parts was like running the track at, in front of the school yeah. i was yeah. like oh that is an awful existence like these people <laughs> are miserable and now we're teachers so like i don't know what That's we so did
2: this is one of the this is one of those movies so this and one of the other movies on my list i saw in the theater as a as a teenager when it came out and i was like this is i was like this is absolutely mind-blowing like i just remember like like tonally it was fantastic like the look into the lives of the teachers was fantastic it completely confirmed some of my suspicions about some teachers like i was like this is and i went to and i also went to a school where i think over the course of two years so there were 400 and i think 450 kids in my school and that included the eighth grade we were eight through twelve, and i believe so obviously a very small school and i believe over the course of an 18 month period there were at least four instances in which teachers had an appropriate relationship oh, with students oh so there was like that and then i saw this movie and i was like oh like it's not just here <laughs> yeah yeah like, unfortunately this is, this is this is great it was like in a way it was like it was like oh you're not crazy like this yeah. is this is sort of a thing and i also love that I, I read the book which i love and and it's written by tom Prada. and tom parada also wrote the leftovers which is one of yeah. my favorite books in series of all time
1: yeah i also love the leftovers and i love little children which like, oh, that's, yeah, that's is it's also too. kind of a fall movie but if for some reason that just doesn't have the same fall feeling as election but little children does take a, take place around like the same
2: time of year i think it's it's so funny i hadn't considered that and i love little children as well i love both the book and the movie and i hadn't considered how much the two male characters from election and Little oh, yeah. Children have in common they like yeah. are just sad sad men
1: yeah, and they picked, yeah. Two, two, they picked two perfect sad, sad men to play it, too. Like, Matthew Broderick sure and Patrick Wilson are, like, the saddest actors it's, of all
2: time. So, yeah, Matthew, <laughs> yeah, like, Patrick Wilson looks like he just needs to have, like, a year-long cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really does. He, really he might does. be
2: having it right now.
1: He really does. I think oh, Matthew Broderick, you know, in Ferris Bueller, obviously, he looks, you know, lively and fun and whatever. But man, that car accident. and He's Ireland carrying that around.
2: He's really carrying that around. He
1: really is. Like. And you can see it in like all of his, you know, you can see totally. it. In his yeah. He work. hasn't
2: had that glint in a while
1: no <laughs> no. i mean i wouldn't either to be fair
2: so. rough times rough times <laughs> although I, I i i reading and i just read mel Brooks' uh, biography and um i'm typically not a person who like feels like i need to clarify that i it was an audiobook in fact and i didn't read it because i don't give a shit about how people receive uh knowledge but okay. i i Good, great news. But I but I will say that I listened to it because the, the gift is that Mel Brooks reads the book. So it's lo- it's lovely to be to receive that. But he uh he talks a lot about the the stage performance from the from the um the producers, which Matthew Broderick oh, yeah. is in. Yeah. And um um yeah, I kind of feel like that was like a big and amazing return to form for Broderick, but him in elections just so good. Yeah, so that's good. like
1: his best work. It's also amazing to think too. For like Reese Witherspoon, it's also incredible. Election and Cruel Intentions were made around the same time. Because they came out in the same year, so like they were. She was like doing this back to back, which is insane for me to think about. I actually saw Election and Cruel Intentions around the same time. Because my yeah. friend's like older brother rented them for us. <laughs> and so we like got to watch them. And, like, yeah, it's it's really weird to like think imagine her going from like election to, to then cool intentions or like vice versa or whatever.
2: What a time. Was she she was also in she was like cut from days to confused, I think. She was like in that in the oh, I didn't know that. That's she was I mean. in that and I think same year made very hilarious back to back. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Generation, which was Texas Chainsaw oh. Massacre 4. She was in that with Matthew uh, McConaughey. Big, you know, Southern actor times for them.
1: <laughs> it was the renaissance of the Southern actor.
2: It was <laughs> huge <laughs> for them. Good for them. Like, they were thinking it would be via Flannery <laughs> O'Connor, but no, it was via Leatherface. <laughs> good for them. Congratulations. <laughs>
0: Brandon,
1: what's your number three?
0: Um, all right, so this one fresh in my mind because I rewatched it last night and I couldn't be more confident that this is in my top five. I'm talking about Rushmore, folks. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, I got it on my list, too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> overlap. It's yeah. <laughs> so good. I watched this okay. movie a lot growing up. This was one of those comedy central rerun movies that you just caught over and over and over again. And you'd see the repetition of that quip that Max has with Luke Wilson where the OR scrubs. Oh, are you yeah. oh, oh are <laughs> they right oh are they <laughs> are that's they? amazing yeah. it's oh, so good oh, are they? best quit I <laughs> it's so good I think this is like the most accessible Wes Anderson film for people who are not Wes Anderson heads this is like an easy way to get in there the aesthetic, although it is Wes Andersony, is not so Wes Andersony. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a little bit less twee. It's it. not over
2: constructed.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it really feels like you could grab any person and watch this. We watched um, Paris Dispatch in the theaters, right? Is that what it was mm-hmm. called? French yeah. Dispatch.
2: That one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like,
0: um, and seriously, uh, not it was it was so constructed to the point where like. Karimi, my girlfriend, started looking at her phone like about halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it just... It was a little boring. It, it was boring. Rushmore is not boring. The
1: Benicio del Toro part could have just been the whole movie. And yeah, we could have been that done was, with
0: it. That was incredible. A yeah. uh, few things about this film. We have the character Max. We have Mr. Um, Bloom, played by Bill Murray. We have the love interest of both of them which is uh, like an elementary school teacher named ms cross and max this 15 year old is the worst student at the fanciest school in the area it was shot in houston but it still has fall vibes but he sort of rather than be a good student is the president of like 25 different clubs (laughs) so he's just a generalist not very good at anything but kind of good and interested at a lot of things. The best part about this movie is the end when Max puts on the play. So he puts on this like (laughs) incredibly elaborate, very expensive Vietnam War epic starring (laughs) children. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And they have like fake helicopters, they have explosions. The people in the audience who are there to watch a high school play have to put on goggles because of the explosions that are going to happen on stage and watching this as a kid and watching it now, I still feel that same excitement of like the crescendo of all of these things culminating in this ridiculous Vietnam war epic put on by some kids in the late nineties. I loved watching this movie. I would recommend it to anybody as kind of the Wes Anderson movie that you should watch. If you don't know if you like Wes Anderson.
2: (laughs) Oh my God. This is,
0: this is on my list. This is my number one.
2: The um, the um, I saw this again. This is the other movie that I saw in the theater. I remember I went with um Scott Zagarella and Adina Reed, and uh, they made, out, listening. They made out the entire time. And I was, ah. and I remember being like looking at them several times and being like, You're missing something truly amazing. Like, I I never like I well, I would never be like I'd rather be making out in the theater. I was so glued to this movie when it happened. To the point where like, I couldn't then wait when the Royal Tenenbaums came out because that came out shortly after three years later. But I, yeah, I saw this in high school in the theater. I it, like, I feel like it fundamentally changed my life. There are so many great things about it. You've mentioned so many of them. I only just this year learned that at the MTV movie awards that same year, or maybe the following year. There are vignettes directed by Wes Anderson starring all the kids from Rushmore, Um, basically introducing like the best movie of the year or whatever, like as as the Max Schwartz players recreating the movie. So (laughs) that's truly a fantastic thing to run into, like whatever, 25 years later. i love brian cox in this movie who has not right. aged since then i think or has just looked a hundred years old since then <laughs> and he and brian cox is also my favorite it's the very controversial opinion he's my favorite hannibal lecter in manhunter because he plays uh hannibal bitchy like i think Hannibal Lecter should be played bitchy and like and 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 he does it and I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I is gay, so we, is
1: gay.
2: I, I mean like I'm he, it for the yeah, case. no, totally I mean totally. It's like it's like day glow. Uh uh it's yeah, t- I mean everything about that movie is is inadvertently queer considering it was made by Michael Mann. Yeah. Um although Michael Mann made a lot of inadvertently queer movies, so I don't know what's going on, but the <laughs> <laughs> the I love I love Rushmore so much. It's like I feel like it's a movie anyone could enjoy. And and then the fin- my final thing about it is that um uh, my co-host Sarah Sarah Marshall uh, my co-host in in You Are Good and she she hosts the podcast uh, You're Wrong About. Is like just notoriously, and she would own this, is notoriously Max Fisher. Like she is (laughs) like that, like that's the kind of school she went to. That's how she was at this school. That is very much her demeanor and vibe now still kind of like contrarian and and like slightly anarchistic, but passionate and like sort of like going after, going after the heart of the right thing, even though, you know, doesn't always necessarily how to get to that place. Like that's, that's another thing I love about it
0: something that's great that you just mentioned is the fact that these characters are so lovable and yet so loathsome in, in the same breath, which is what a good piece of art should be. It shouldn't be, um, totally. it, it's like the setting should be saccharine and yet nothing about it is saccharine. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, Agreed. agree it could be dead poet society because you kind of have the same idea and it's not dead poet society at all. Um, totally. I love the part where Mr. Bloom rushes over to reject a little kid as they're playing basketball yes. in the tiny hoop.
1: beautiful
0: moment in film.
1: The, <laughs> best. <laughs> the <laughs> best part. <laughs> it's so really
0: bad. Bad. You know, Yesterday, when I saw it, I was like, oh my God. That <laughs> so is oh
1: amazing.
0: My God. It's amazing. I'm
1: glad you mentioned it because I was just about, like, literally just about to. I also saw Rushmore in the same way as you, like Comedy Central, like little bits and pieces. And then I finally saw the whole thing, probably like freshman year in high school. it's so good what's your number three alex oh my
2: number so okay so my number three we just covered on the show and it's coming out soon or maybe it's already out depending on when you listen because time works in an interesting way but uh, we just covered working girl which i really which i really loved largely vibe related more than uh thematically related in that, you know, it's much less about sort of preparing to die, and it's much more about um, people wearing lots of layers on the ferry.
1: <laughs> That's mostly been my whole thing this entire podcast.
2: We're yeah. so good. I do. Totally, it's just I almost see. I almost like similar for similar reasons, Steph, to some of the movies that you selected, or actually similar reasons that everyone has selected is. I almost picked Fast Times at Ridgemont High because it's almost like anachronistically fall. It similarly takes place like School of Rock in the se- in the first part of the semester. Although like at some point, I think it does do like more of a full cycle. But I always think about it as like a going back to school thing. Yeah. But Working Girl is, yeah, it's like there's, there's so many things to enjoy about it. It's like surprisingly nuanced and well-written for a movie about a movie about like gender in the workplace, particularly about trying to survive in like toxically masculine workplaces. But just like everyone has great outfits, there's a lot of like tri-state gals, uh, including uh, who was mentioned earlier, Joan Cusack, looking like an absolute amazing nightmare. Just blue eyeshadow to her scalp, basically. I mean, she looks fantastic, <laughs> um, um, and everything she says is incredible. Melanie Griffith sounds fantastic, is incredible, and Harrison Ford, who I I, I said this on the the episode, and I stand by it, I, Harrison Ford is an extremely charismatic person who has no chemistry with anybody. Like, okay. I've never seen Harrison Ford show up on screen and I'm like, they're gonna, I'm rooting for them. I'm like, maybe be careful with whatever <laughs> he's got going on, because he doesn't, he, he, has but no there
0: feelings.
2: Are, he has no feelings, but there are a couple tremendous for, again, for a person who like strikes as extremely serious, I guess, like there is some really good non-indiana jones comedic like slapstick stuff that he does in that movie which i really appreciate but i love working girl
1: i haven't seen it in a long time it's probably but i remember working girl was one of the one of the movies that my grandma and my dad's side like constantly had on at her house for some reason
2: <laughs> i love that so much my grandma had like a vhs of robin hood prince of thieves that i'm pretty sure she never watched and i don't know why it was there but i just associate those two things
1: yeah it was work it was like working girl and what's love got to do with it were always on at my grandma's house and That's i can i fantastic. know i know she's like a huge tina turner fan i'm guessing i should have like asked her about melanie griffith but i'm guessing that because my grandma was kind of like leggy and tall and like she was kind of like hot when she was a teenager so i'm guessing like she identified with melanie in some way totally i think that that might have been why she had always had it on but she used to love watching that movie melanie griffith's famously
2: in that movie and i hope that your grandma relates to this she famously (laughs) says um, I have a head for business and I've got a body for sin, which I could imagine <laughs> is a thing your grandma used to say all the time.
1: <laughs> well, that grandma probably actually. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds probably. like your grandma. She was the dope that. one. So yeah, so you know, like probably.
2: I wouldn't doubt it, honestly. Good news.
1: My third one is and I've I'm not gonna like talk about it a lot because I mean, I mean I know you're here, Alex, and like we are honored to have you but we talked about it on the podcast a lot. My third one is The Village.
0: Uh, oh, sweet. I don't know this. Yes, I so know what happens, but I've never seen this movie. You've ah. never seen it? Wow. This is Steph's That's... number one M night Shyamalan film. <laughs>
1: this is my number one M Night Shyamalan film.
0: I
2: look forward to yeah. checking it out.
0: If you're,
1: yeah, if
2: you're but us
1: taking six cents out of the mix, which we did for oh, that okay. episode. Yeah. But I also I still would put it above six cents anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter. Outrageous. I love. I no, it's not outrageous. It's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> like we just
2: covered *Stir*. Done. We just covered *Stir of Echoes, which we contend yeah. is the better Sixth Sense*. So it's oh, fine. Okay, yeah, we, well, we're here for controversial Wait, *Shyamalan* takes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very, very nuanced *Shyamalan* takes in this crew. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I like. I know The Village has its problems. Like I said, we talked about this already, and I know The Village has its problems. It really does have its problems, especially in the character of Noah, who's, like, the catalyst for what even happens in the movie in the first place. We've talked about, like, alternatives, like Noah could have just been a kid or whatever. (laughs) Um, Instead of Adrian Brody playing mentally, you know, mentally challenged. Like, that wasn't a great choice. Bold. But, yeah. But... I love the village. That obviously, like it is in the fall, you can tell it's the fall. It's a little bit rainy. It's overcast. The trees, the leaves are falling. Also, it feels like the fall. Like the 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 events that happen feel like they're happening in the fall for some reason. The attack that starts the whole thing between like Noah and Lucius. It's so like gruesome. Sorry, that's my dog. Um, it's so gruesome. It's so gruesome and, like, sad, you know? It feels like it's something that would take... I don't know why I'm saying (laughs) that. It feels like something that would take place in the fall. Obviously, I have, like, a fucked-up view of what the fall
2: is. Yeah. I feel like it's right.
1: But, oh, man, I love this movie so much. I think it, you know, i I, like I said, I've talked about this before, uh, but I think The Village is, like, one of my favorite commentaries on, like, post-9-11 U.S. Like, it's hitting on the themes of surveillance and like lying to protect your loved ones or like people that you say you love and it's also hitting and like also just like as a like a prison industrial complex abolitionist I really like that it's hitting on the theme of like you can't outrun violence you have to like get at the root of violence and like figure out what's going on and like solve those problems you can't just like run away from it and get away from it forever Mm. it's gonna like come and haunt you so, yeah, I, <laughs> I always I always <laughs>
2: think it like I always position it like i can i can make this terrible decision all at once or experience the repercussions for the rest of my life (laughs) it's like you're gonna explain something bad you're gonna get something bad one way or another and it's like you can make the choice to take it now or take it a little bit at a time for the rest of your life so yeah yeah, i like i like any movie that covers that that's
1: what they're kind of like that's what i mean you should watch the village but also (laughs) also but like be warned too you know there's problems but like yeah, that's kind of what it is. Like the the people who set up—I mean, you know how it ends, I'm sure, because you've heard. But yeah, the the people who set up the little village, like the elders of the village, they kind of—that's the way that they are. Like they would—they don't want to like microdose <laughs> like violence their whole lives. Like they they want to set up a utopia where violence doesn't happen, but they don't do anything to ensure that violence won't happen because like that's not really possible. Humans are going to harm each other. No matter what we kind of have to f- figure out what we're gonna do when we harm each other and like they, mm-hmm. they don't set up anything for that like when the attack happens they're just like oh my god <laughs> like how could this happen here you yeah. know and it's
2: like like did you guys account me? for I've this there? did you consider this yeah. might happen
1: <laughs> yeah so it's just like i don't know I, I but i really do i know that there have been some other people trying to like reclaim the village recently i saw some something in like the last few weeks somebody writing on it and like its connection to 9-11 and everything but I like i've i when i first saw them when, when i first saw
2: 9-11 <laughs> they're <laughs> like have you considered it's awesome because of its yeah. connection yeah.
1: To yeah exactly that's that's literally my line for everything um <laughs> But when I first saw it in theaters, I was like blown away by it. I don't know. But I was also a kid, too. Well, I
2: think, I think, I mean, I don't know, you must have talked about this if you did like a whole, I'm not Shyamalan episode, but like, I imagine kind of like we, we, we did the whole Saw series and Saw. So I was like, pretty. Like, as a series, that's pretty, it's, it's silly in a lot of ways, but it's like misremembered as like exclusively being torture porn, and torture porn has like a specific concept about what it is. And it, like, the first movie isn't really true, whatever, it doesn't matter. But there's a perception about what it is that it isn't, that it's yeah. assessed by. And I feel like M. Night Shyamalan got held accountable for surprise endings. Like, I feel like he like made the biggest surprise ending of the past 30 years then literally everyone else was like surprise ending surprise ending surprise ending and everyone was like this guy did this to us yeah. and they for like 10 years was like we're not gonna give him a fish yeah even though i fucking love unbreakable unbreakable is amazing
1: oh yeah unbreakable is also in my top five i'm nice shaman for sure i Hell love yeah. unbreakable but i yeah i just yes i think you're right i'm always talking that he deserves justice. (laughs) Um, justice. I think you're right. I think that a lot of people expected him to keep making the sixth sense like over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And in some ways he like succumbed to that pressure, but also in other ways, I think he was always being like criticized for not making the sixth sense again. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, In like various
1: ways. And so that, I think with the village i, I really think like because i you know i re-watched it recently with my girlfriend who had never seen it before and when i was watching it again i mean i always loved it but when i was watching it again recently i was like this is actually you know it has its faults like i said because like m night shaman's movies have their faults but i was like this is actually like saying something much bigger and broader than people let on so no.
0: I would never have expected to be sold on The Village as an M. Night Shyamalan connoisseur. I mean, I've seen all of his films um, and I love to criticize them. Steph legitimately sold me on the connection between 9-11 and The Village. And also there's like a white flight element there as well. Like All of that, people trying to run from the problem rather than address the problem at its source, rather than um, collectively do something to make a change. You just take your people and get the fuck out, and that will never solve anything.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. No, you sold me on it, brother. I've I've said this before. I never expected it, but
1: yeah, it's so. Anyway, I won't talk about it anymore. But it's it's great, Alex. I hope you watch it, and please like message us us. I will
0: it. absolutely. I'll let you
2: know. I'll <laughs> let you know where I where I where I stand. When did it come out? Because everything was about nine eleven for like a decade. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. there we go. So everything he, like subconsciously was about nine eleven for ten years. I think.
1: Yes, I think that's true, <laughs> and we've said that a lot. Too. Um, we were like, like,
2: we were like, we're not allowed to process this in a healthy way out loud. So let's make a movie about it.
1: Yes, I think the best of the village is actually. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> I, you know, when I think about, sorry, I don't mean to keep talking about The Village, we can go on to here after this, but I think when you when you think about M. Night Shyamalan as a person, an Indian person who had to like exist in this you know, post 9-11 world, you know I, I think it makes sense for him to make a movie like The Village where it's not like directly talking about his experiences but where it's hinting on something that's a much larger problem like this idea that Essentially, if you set up a place where people feel like they have to act a certain way to, like, keep the, you know, to keep the status quo or whatever, that that's all going to come crashing down eventually, like something from inside is actually going to make it come crashing down eventually. Like, it's a great commentary on just, like, American life at that time, I
2: think. Um, oh, yeah, well, like one in two, maybe one in three, but pretty much one in two, you're wrong about episodes, is the calls coming from inside the house. Like yeah. it's all, it's all, it yeah. it's all the village, apparently. So we'll make sure to put it in our branch. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: All right, Brendan, what's your number two? This I rewatched last night in preparation. I've been watching a lot of fall films. It's when Harry met Sally. Uh, of course. I mean, come on folks. This is just like, it's just such a good vibe movie about the two most depressed characters. The worst
1: people on earth. Yeah, but
0: (laughs) somehow you love them and somehow you want to have the connection that they have with each other and you want to understand how obvious it is that you should be together already. Um, but that, of course, takes away from the fact that, like, you need to go through that journey. You need to go through all of these bumps in the road that takes, what, 11 years, 12 years for them to finally realize, oh, this is what we've been supposed to do the entire time. Um, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have that same effect if you had done it immediately, right? It wouldn't have been able to, like, build that relationship, which is something that this romantic comedy does that so many others don't. They build a fucking relationship, Right. So many romantic comedies expect us to just believe that these people are like meant for each other. Like, no, you can't (laughs) believe they're Like they have to hate each other first and then they can love each other. Somehow this movie that is full of like terminally depressed people (laughs) feels good to watch. And I think that that's the autumn vibe there is that autumn feels good. And yet it is death, right? It is the, manifestation of the death of of the earth for a, a period of time. So I think that when Harry met Sally really gets it, I think that it's a fall movie. Even though it takes place over the span of many seasons and there's a lot of different stuff going on, the scene that you remember most is when Harry and Sally are walking in one of the parks in New York, might be Central Park, I don't know, and you see that beautiful yellow tree just sort of shedding. That's what I think of when I think of when Harry met Sally.
1: Yeah.
0: Um mm. And I I must say that Karimi, my girlfriend, who hates movies that are made before 2010, (laughs) absolutely absolutely love this film.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. My girlfriend is also the same way, like hates anything that is older than 20 years, will not watch it. She did watch When Harry Met Sally, when i asked her about it this is like one of my favorite film reviews of all time by the way everybody before <laughs> i asked her about it because she i i we started it but then i my a friend of mine was here and we were all three of us were watching and i was like falling asleep so i went to bed so i asked her about it the next morning and her review was oh i quite enjoyed it i just wish these people didn't look like that <laughs> 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 which is just one of the best film reviews ever i think Totally, you know? right.
2: that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fair.
1: You know, I get it. Billy Crystal's not the hottest. I, I no. understand it. I understand but that it. works.
2: That it works. Worked. Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner was bold enough to make ugly men his yes. leading men. Yeah. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner was was like not a traditionally attractive man by any means who could get it. And he's like, I'm going to just, that's what my movies are going to be about.
1: Yes, I totally agree. And honestly, like, he's attractive in that movie. I'm not even attracted to men like that. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I see the charm, you know. Um, I love When Harry Met Sally. I think I, I saw it, like, when I was very young. My mom's a huge Meg Ryan fan. And... Yeah, just, like, everything about it. Like I said, they are, like, the worst people in the world. Like, they're very annoying characters, but, like, you still love them. Like, I would still hang out with
0: them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a it. great, a great, like, feat in any film. And maybe this is because I'm critical of a lot of things, including uh, capitalism and rich white people, is <laughs> <just> to make <laughs> people really love these rich white people. Yeah. yeah. I, for no moment during I'm the watching was I, like, what the fuck are these people's jobs? Like, what are they doing? I, I just love them. I'm just like, I bought in, which is, <laughs> it's a
2: great movie. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's, he's
2: really, like, Rob Reiner's good at making movies about that. Like, Rob Reiner is good mm-hmm. at, like, making movies about people where you're like, where did this money come from? Like, yes, they are not right. working for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like they watching never a work. episode of House Hunters.
2: <laughs> oh my God, it's so true. Yeah, he also made Sleepless in Seattle, which is... Great movie. Right. just full of people where you're like where where's the money where on earth is the money coming from in this situation <laughs> um yeah total. i mean and then you think about like he made like misery i'm looking at me misery the american president north like bye bye love postcards the stand by me like this guy just like made movies like just made so many yeah. movies about Ugly people doing fun things.
1: (laughs) It's like, we deserve that.
2: (laughs) We do. (laughs) Our people. We deserve
1: it.
2: And we deserve ugly people doing awesome things. There's not one jacked guy in a Rob Reiner movie. So, Brendan, I'm surprised that you found it resonant in any way. You find any (laughs) of his movies resonant. It's 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 all... It's all, it's all either like regular fat people or skinny fat people like me. And, and I, I love that about them.
1: (laughs) Brendan Brendan has like a fat person heart though.
2: That's so good. He has a, he has a, he has the. yeah, totally. He has the, um, the he has the soft energy of a, of a uh, fat man. (laughs) That's the nicest thing
1: I've
2: ever heard. (laughs) That's why I'm here.
1: <laughs> I always, I always call that energy queer adjacent, but I totally. love. have you heard that, man?
2: Have you heard our conversation? We did a, we did a, um, we did a conversation, and please, Emma, excuse me, but I'm half high all the time. Um, <laughs> we did. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, with Emma Copley eisender we did a really great conversation about Magnolia year, years ago. Oh, yeah. That was early on in the conversation. Yeah. And and Emma talks a lot about the adjacency of, of queerness and soft male bodies yeah. in particular. And we talk about that with regard to Magnolia and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is like, if somebody was going to play me in a biopic, that would have been... Hell the, yeah! to play yeah. me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, pretty soon the tech can do it, you know, so we'll be... <laughs> Pretty soon, the tech can bring Philip Seymour Hoffman alive and play in the, in, the, in the upcoming biopic.
1: That's yes. so true. So true. I can't wait. I hope
2: <laughs> Thank <so>. God.
1: <laughs> okay, so Alex, you said your number two is Mystic Pizza. I and... think I've
2: said all my movies at this oh, point. Oh, you have? They've oh, all come wow. up, yeah. So okay. I'll just comment.
1: So, wow. Okay, so my number two is Moonstruck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best.
1: And... The best. It's just like such a speaking of like not like people you don't expect to be attractive being like totally hot, like you know, I mean Cher is hot, but like it's just controversial. The way that that they made her look in that film, they tried to make her look older, you know, and so they're like,
2: what if you had just a little bit of white hair?
1: Yeah, exactly. Just that little now you're
2: now you're (laughs) both now
1: you're 37. <laughs> which Not like your I crow a
2: real crow
1: <laughs> so yeah just like such a oh man uh, mushak i guess arguably this again you know I, like i said most of the just vibes this is just vibes obviously but it is fall in new york city like it is you know it's it's actually i almost feel like it's fall going into winter like those few like those couple of weeks there where it's about to be winter and yeah, it's just the vibes though feel very, it's so interesting because I think in the same way that When Harry Met Sally is, it's like these new relationships like blossoming amongst the death, like amongst the the stuff like with the falling leaves and just the snow coming. It's really something, I, there's something special about that feeling. I, I can't really describe it, but like Moonstruck really hits it. And obviously it's just hilarious. Like it's just such a funny movie and Nick Cage really is one of the best performances of his life Unbelievable. yeah and there's also so many like funny one-off lines in there like the woman who is who works at the bakery with nick cage and is like oh my god in love with him and she's like that man is a lunatic but i would die for him and it's, it's just, so like, good. Such a good line um, and yeah I, moonstruck just when i watch it it gives me that like fall feeling but also it's so like I said, it's it's so interesting to watch these this like relationship blossom amongst like this grayness, you know, like this they're both like finally happy, but everything is so gray and dark and like damp. Um totally. Danny Ayello really
0: in that movie, just oh, like a yeah. sad man. Uh,
2: yes. <laughs> He's great. I, I mean, I, yes. I oh Brendan, what were you gonna say? So no, funny. I I was
0: just gonna say it is also the best. Portrayal on film of your people, Steph.
2: I agree.
1: I have to. Besides, Goodfellas. Yeah, it's Goodfellas. <laughs> and mean, Drunk.
2: but you have, but you have, but what Goodfellas does not provide, which I think, uh, like half my family on on, on one side is is uh, uh uh good Kirk Italians, and the um the what what Goodfellas doesn't provide is multi generational living.
1: That's true. It doesn't have that.
2: But I love obviously. It.
1: It yeah. Know. It doesn't have that multi But having living with fourteen
2: generations in the house somehow is incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the thing, the thing. So my, my, uh, my parents. So my stepfather has recently passed. He and my mom, one Christmas, a couple of Christmases ago, yeah, you know, they were just sort of sniping at each other and being assholes to each other, and I could hear it, but they couldn't really hear it. And then finally, I turned and I was like, "You two are being real cunts to each other. Can you please stop?" Like. <laughs> and so I, I don't think i would ever said this to my family at all but it was so true i was like just listen just listen to yourselves like stop whatever and then i prescribed that we were gonna sit down and watch moonstruck and i was Aww. like that's gonna that's gonna take care of it and we watched it and it was really great but i remember like the grandfather in that movie my stepfather who I think owned one book in his adult life and it was written by a football coach and I, I saw the spine, it was never cracked. And he, and he, like the grandfather in that movie turned at some point and he goes, this is the weirdest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, it's like if like, you know, like oregano was too spicy for someone. Like, he was <laughs> like, this is like, I can't.
1: This is how the other whites live. <laughs> exactly. exactly. This, this exactly. Is our, these, these are the stories of our lives <laughs>
2: if it's hotter if it's hotter than black pepper i can't i can't do it
1: you know there's not a lot of films like for, portraying italian americans in a way that's not related to the mob so moonstruck <laughs> as a kid was always like a big deal to me because i was like oh okay like they're, they're regular like us like yeah we're not in the mob so like it always just like kind of reminded me of my family. Like Olympia Dukakis's character really reminds me of my my dad's mom, who I talked about before. But like just minus my dad's mom was a little bit more like outgoing and like fl- mm-hmm. you know, flamboyant in her conversation style and stuff. But just like that kind of like knowing what everyone's up to all the time kind of situation. Like her character really reminded me of my grandma when I was little. So. Yeah, and, and still now, like, when I watch it, I'm like, that, you know, it's just like, oh, man, it's such a joy to watch, you know? And it's the, the ending is so satisfying when they're all sitting at the table together. Eating like, oatmeal. Johnny's there, and it's just, like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's just like such a satisfying ending to a you know, just to film in general. You don't, even with romantic comedies, you don't always get that, that full, like, okay, my, my stomach is full, you know, like, I feel, mm-hmm. I feel, and, like, my heart is full, like, I feel good, and, like, we're going to go, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go, like, enter the world, like, with this, like, good feeling totally. I have, and Moonstruck kind of has that, so I just, that's why I keep returning to it.
0: Yeah, Moonstruck is, it is so true to itself, and makes you, like, feel so happy, <laughs> Yeah. But it's the same thing as when Harry met Sally. These are not normal characters. Like these are not like happy, funny people. Nicolas Cage's character is is like more <laughs> depressed. He's something else entirely. He's a ridiculous person. <laughs> but I don't know. I love that movie. I first saw it maybe only a couple of years ago, and since then I've watched it maybe four times because yeah. oh my god, it, perfect, the best, such a great movie. Do you know this that- whole thing. Oh, go for it. No, no, no,
1: go ahead, Alex,
0: go ahead. I was just going to say, we covered this a couple of years ago on the
2: show, and that's when I learned that, like, the, his whole character is based, is, like, because they kept re- re- talking about the motif of the wolf, like, his character is supposed to be, like, figuratively a wolf. And when when they originally sort of said that to him, he, <laughs> so fucking good, he, he delivered all of his lines in, like, a wolf accent, <laughs> as as imagined by Nicolas Cage. And like, and it was like indecipherable. And they were like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm doing a wolf. And they were like, you gotta give us half wolf. Like this is too much. And then like, they kept like doing like downs by half to the point where they got to like the character that he is now. So like the character that they got now was like a compromise of Nicolas Cage doing a human werewolf.
1: That's. Amazing. I also like so (laughs) Nick Cage, like that is like perfectly Nick Cage. Oh my gosh, I love it. One one like little piece of trivia that is fun about (laughs) Moonstruck. The guy who wrote Moonstruck, John Patrick Shanley, he also well, he also wrote Doubt, which was a play and then a movie with Phil more often. Um and he also wrote the Laura Linney action adventure thriller congo
2: oh, wow <laughs> wow i remember that, one. I, I that one I only ever experienced i screamed. only ever experienced congo through the super nintendo game i did not know that's, oh, that's, 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 i wonder if you had it i wonder if you got a credit a screenwriting credit
1: <laughs> that's so funny it used to be like one of those movies that was on fx all the time when i was a kid like congo was always on Amazing. and so my brother and i watched it probably like four times because it was just always
2: on for whatever reason. You know what I bet Doesn't hold up? Congo. <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't think it does. No, I don't think do. so at all. I just I just said that about Congo and I was like, I should look up to see if there's actually a Congo Super Nintendo game. There was an unreleased Super Nintendo game based on Congo. I don't know why. Oh, it was like it just the turnover, or whatever. There was no Super Nintendo game in Congo. So that just exists. <laughs> In my imagination.
1: No, no, prob- you probably play some other game about hunting gorilla- silverback gorillas. I'm and I was sure. like,
2: this must Yeah, so they were like, you know what the kids love is murdering endangered species. They do. So it's, let's get it's, them it's in
0: bad. there. It's so true, though. It's so true. There's nothing more wholesome.
2: No, no, absolutely not. They should just make a Grand Theft Auto sort of environment, but you just kill silverback gorillas.
1: <laughs> 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 Wow. So glad that this podcast always copyrights, Alex, because nobody can steal that from you now. Yeah, you can it. make that game if you want. To. You
2: guys, you can't have it. You can't. It'll be like that game <laughs> where it's just a feral cat that walks around and pees on things, but it's just silverbacks and go down. Um <laughs> Brendan,
1: what's your number one? What's
0: your number All one? All right. I, I'm happy that you just talked about your people portrayed in film because <laughs> this movie, which nobody talks about or knows about anymore, Pumping is- Iron.
1: We assumed you were going to talk about gym bros and not Irish people. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Nobody talks about public iron anymore. No one talks about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, this movie set in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which is the you know where my family is from. This is my (laughs) ancestral home, Pawtucket. (laughs) A movie called Outside Providence. I was just oh, talking yeah. about
1: this movie yesterday. This is great. Oh, such a this good movie.
0: movie. So good. This was the movie that we burned via putting a VHS in the VCR while it was on HBO or something and then just oh, yeah. rewatching that. The best. All the time. Like it was in my five movie rotation that I would watch once a week. It if you have never seen it, it follows sort of like a working class Irish American Rhode Island guy who gets in some trouble and then because his dad's friend has mob connections, as you would in (laughs) Pawtucket in the 70s, gets him into a fancy Connecticut private school where he is the fish out of water. And he's sort of in between two worlds where he's this like scumbag from Pawtucket and he's in this fancy Connecticut private school. And he's getting you know, letters from his friends, which are some of the funniest things you've ever heard in your life. Specifically, this one scene where he gets a letter from his friend, Drugs Delaney. Yeah. And the dean intercepts it and reads it to him. And he says, Mr. Dumphy, do you have a friend called Drugs? And then Dumphy says, Drugs Delaney? He says, how many individuals names Drugs are you uh, it's just like, it's so great. There's a scene where uh, a kid is at this party, one of the fancy Connecticut private school kids, and they're playing darts at Dumphy's house. And the kid who Dumphy is friends with says, I'm going to throw the fucking dot. And then the Connecticut guy who doesn't have the accent goes, throw the fucking dot. And he throws it right into his head. And it's like stuck in his head. Um, and of course you have Alec Baldwin who. Delivers a great performance as a working class scumbag Pawtucket guy. And he calls his sons dildos and yes. assbags. And my mother sort of hijacked ass bag. That became like one of her favorite words when she, she was like, Oh my God, this is what it was like growing up. And she started calling ass like calling us assbags. It just like for me is the the best vibes for what I grew up with going to Rhode Island all the time, visiting family, going specifically like to Pawtucket and Central Falls. And, you know, this is my family. Like, I feel like this movie is just my family. My dad actually went to the same high school as the Farrelly brothers who wrote this movie. So I, yeah, I just, to me, this is my fall movie. This is what it was like, (laughs) except not the seventies, the nineties. This is
1: definitely one of the, better Fairly Brothers movie. This is yes, maybe yeah. the best one. Maybe
0: and they didn't the direct record. it; they just wrote with, it. So,
1: with the uh, you know, famously with Sean Hatasi in that leading role of yeah. like, the Faculty Fame. Sean Hatasi was also yeah. in the faculty.
2: He didn't do much else. <laughs> oh though. my god, that's who that is! I'm looking yes. at him right now. Yeah, totally got gotcha. He, was, he also, was in the faculty.
1: I think he was in In oh, and Out. Oh, Jonathan another.
2: Brandis, RIP.
1: Oh man, Outside yeah. Providence is a very good movie. Uh, that was another one that my brother and I watched a lot too, even though we have, like no connection to it whatsoever. But it's a funny even, movie. Like, I don't even, I don't think I knew a single person from Rhode Island, but like when I watched that movie. But it's just so funny.
0: I mean, you it's can like, get
2: it. So, like, it's like this is about like people from like New York to Maine. Like, in some way, <laughs> there's like, yeah. there's a vibe here that is very recognizable. We just, we, so we, we, Speaking of Working Girl, we just covered we discovered Working Girl, and Alec Baldwin is in that, and he plays like a um like a kind of bridge and tunnel scumbag. And he, although no, does is, is it that or Staten? Island? He might I think he might be from Staten, Island. but he's it's classic. And we were talking on the show about like how funny it is that like you know his kind of like his famous his like famous character accents and backgrounds are like Boston as Jack Donaghy and Thirty Rock. And uh, uh then he was like he played a of Vermonter or Connecticut. He was like from Connecticut in Beetlejuice, strangely. Yeah. But yeah. his his performance in this in outside providence as just like Rhode Islander bag is Tremendous. I mean, yeah. it's it's tremendous. Even though like his natural tendency is like New York dirt bag, but like his his New England dirt bag in
0: this is oh, so good. Don't sleep on the Alec Baldwin New England dirt bag. Don't <laughs> I mean, sleep. Defining. It's it's defining. absolutely defining. Great movie. I forgot one more quote. You wouldn't know a classy broad if she took a dump on your head.
1: <laughs> a
2: <laughs> it had, it, I gotta rewatch was, it this weekend. Oh you know, man, it's like, so good. Did, Like Amy Smart, at some point got type. I, I don't know if like I don't know what happened. I don't. Maybe something happened. I don't know what happened, but she got typecast as like Amy Smart. I feel like wasn't given a fair shake because she was always like in movies. She didn't. She wasn't able to transcend to movies like this. But I think she was great, and she was kind of everywhere for a moment, and then um, you know was a classy broad. She was a classy
0: broad. She was a classy one. Yeah. She was a classy
2: broad. She Amy was... Smart's a classy broad. I, love, I, also, I mean, I love
1: Amy Smart and Just Friends. Also, I mean, she's just—I I think she's very funny. She's a, she's one of those road trip, road because trip, yeah. Road trip. She's one of those like I—I I feel the same way. I know Anna Faris like doing her thing now, but she's one of those like comedic blondes that like in that time they just didn't know what to do with them. They, yeah, know? it
2: was like we just need a hot a hot body. Like, they, yeah. they didn't, like, give her... But, like, every time she did because something, she gave her something to respond to. She was very funny. I exactly. liked her a lot. But she didn't make it past crank high voltage, I think, unfortunately. <laughs> crank high voltage is a masterpiece. I I'm love
0: insane. it. I love the Crank movies. They're great. Yeah, holy the crank shit. movies
2: are intense. I saw a Crank movie for the first, when I saw a Crank movie for the first time like five years ago or something, I was like, I cannot believe I was too snobby for this when it came out. This is the best thing I've ever seen.
0: It never, it doesn't let up, which is the whole point, right? I no. watched it in Korea for the first time. I downloaded it. And okay, so. yeah, I, I'd stayed up all night because I have trouble sleeping, of course and i needed to be amped up because i was about to go uh to a all-day korean party and baseball game so i watched crank to like get me in the mood to stay up all day and it worked I was, oh I'm my so- god you're watching it
1: you, Amazing. you can chase save them straight into your veins
0: yeah you rightfully so
2: <laughs> I do I do want to say I do want to say just because I'm sure that one of your listeners is a gigantic fan of the TV show Star Girl, which is apparently where uh Amy Smart has been for the past couple of years. Amy's still working. Amy's oh, at no, work. That's good. That's she's,
1: good. I'm glad she got
2: she's in 39 episodes over the course of two years. So money's coming in. I'm happy for Amy. God bless.
1: <laughs> you know, God
2: bless. Awesome. What's I your love- stuff?
1: my number one so i guess i took a different route with this one it's not funny it's, but my number one is far from heaven which is uh...
2: it's not funny it's just funny that this is the tone to end
1: on yes i know <laughs> we should have done mine first yeah. That's I, thought sense. That's I thought this made sense for ending because like, it's a bad movie this, okay so like we're talking about fall movies having like a fall vibe this like, takes it to the next level. Obviously, like, it's literally taking place at the beginning of fall when, every, when the leaves are just changing. Also, mm-hmm. like, Todd Haynes, the writer and director, of, you know, of Carol fame, everybody... I feel like people talk about Carol so much, but they never talk about Far From Heaven. It makes me sad. Totally. But he colorboarded every scene in the movie, so every single scene had, like, a specific um color arrangement that he was going for which is amazing when you watch it you can really like notice that level of detail that level of care that he took there um but yeah just like i guess for people who don't know far from heaven is you know it's centers or it's in the takes place in Connecticut in the 50s 1957 i think is the exact year and it is the story revolves around this couple Kathy and Frank who are played by Julianne Moore and Dennis Quaid, and their marriage is disintegrating because Frank is gay and he can't. Like, That'll do it. He can't like hold his urges anymore. So he has been like cheating on Kathy with men, and the first like the first time that she finds out is that he gets arrested at like an underground gay bar in this like town in Connecticut where they live. And she has to go bail him out. And then she sees it for herself eventually when she like makes him dinner and like brings it to his office and then finds him making out with a guy there. But the story is like revolving around like her life changing essentially and shifting because she has to like not be married to this man anymore. (laughs) You know, and it's the fifties and like women can't do anything. So she, you know, she's kind of trying to like deal with that and like the repercussions of this but also a relationship is, like, building between her and her gardener, Raymond, who is a Black man. And that's just, like, not allowed, obviously, even in Connecticut in the 1950s. So there are repercussions for her having this relationship with Raymond, too. And it's just, I think, obviously, aside from, like, the fall vibes, which are, like, huge in this movie, like I said, and just, like, the fact that fall is kind of a character in this movie because we were pointing out follows about death and like, or like oncoming death. And like, she actually loses like two people in this film, both Frank and Raymond. And I think it's just, it's fall working as a character is just perfect. And it shows, I don't know. It just like gives you this feeling of like, yeah, like things are coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And I also love the film because I think it's like, it's good in showing both like the, What was going on with gay people at the time and also what was going on in regards to like racism in the north, which is like not something that is portrayed a lot in film. It's mostly just films about like what's happening in the south when it comes to like black people and when it comes to white supremacy. So every time I watch it, I'm like constantly impressed by the way like Todd Haynes handled that story overall. And I don't know, just a beautiful film. And like a really sad film. (laughs) So (laughs) nothing like outside Providence. But
2: still like worth a watch for sure that's that's on the cover it says nothing like outside providence but worth the watch <laughs> yes. for sure I think and they're like cover. i mean they should put it on there i think
1: <laughs> that's gonna appeal to
2: some people some people are gonna watch that movie after <laughs> yes. putting it off
0: for so long <laughs>
1: yeah
0: yeah well, outside <laughs> providence wasn't like totally beloved it doesn't have great critical review no it doesn't
1: it doesn't to say
0: yeah. it's nothing like outside providence would be a selling point <laughs> yeah. i mean also you
1: know in far from heaven like julianne moore is the star she plays kathy and like julianne moore is like if fall was a person you know she's like yeah. so hot but also she's so hot but like she literally is like if fall was a person yeah. she totally. has that like warm cozy feeling <laughs> like when you see her yeah. so yeah i don't know it, the the this works for this list in like so many ways, but also just like I said, it's a really important film, I think. And we just like I, I don't know, people don't talk about it nearly as much as they talk about Carol. Todd Haynes like earlier work doesn't get enough attention in my opinion. No, I don't think
2: people knew what to do with Todd Haynes. I don't think like larger audiences knew what to do with Todd Haynes at this at this time. At like the, yeah. the at the turn of the century. Yeah, literally had... two thousand two. I don't think people had uh, like like larger audiences knew what to do, especially like anything that touched. I mean, it's so funny. Like people, like I, I, we, I was I, this comes up a lot in our show, and this came up today in conversation because I was talking with someone who teaches at a college, and and um, you know was talking about like in a very understandable way, students will. Like regarding a movie from like the '80s, we'll hold it to the standards of today, and it's like you need to understand. Like, I didn't see a queer person on TV until I was like 12. Like, I didn't like, and now, and I've said this before in the show, but like, you can scroll on TikTok and see 50 people who have an experience like you before breakfast, and 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 so like like I bring all this up because like even like touching on any elements of. Of queerness in a in a movie in a in a movie that was gonna have a larger audience is like a pretty new thing. Like like people (laughs) didn't know what to do when it was when you know like on like with these like you know what they characterize as like an Oscar bait movie at this time is like they weren't quite sure uh, how to engage it. But I agree. Like Todd Haynes Todd Haynes earlier movies like generally are 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 substantial for me, and I watched and loved this movie when it came out.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. I also think like, yeah, it's just getting a, a truth though that a lot of, I mean, I think it's getting a truth that a lot of people are kind of afraid of this idea of like, yeah, there were a lot of men who got married and like a lot of women who got married who were not straight and just did it because like that was what they were expected to do. And that's just like right. the real fact of it, you know? And so I think we're, we are, we don't want to encounter that kind of I don't know, that depressing thought that like you didn't have a choice and like people are still doing that. It's not like it's like change. Right, like, it's still well. It's not like time. it's not
2: like in a lot of states adults are making it any easier for right. kids to to you know. Now you basically have it's like if they're you know it, there's there's regression around sort of how uh, there's like regression around the progress around around straight up gay kids but like now it's like you're you're forcing a lot of trans kids and essentially not even forcing them into the closet you're essentially just saying mm-hmm. it, it, it would be a, it would be in many states it would be criminal for you or your parents to acknowledge that this is what your your reality is and you're essentially forcing and closeting kids so like the movie is the movie remains extremely relevant unfortunately
0: yeah yeah i mean we live in Florida, so, and we teach <laughs> in Florida. So these- Oh my um, God,
2: I hadn't even, yeah. We've been talking yeah. about New England so much, and you've said Florida a couple of times that I did not <laughs> immediately figure that I was just talking about you just now.
0: No, 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 I don't no. Know. It's, no, you're, so. you're totally on point, though. And I mean, it's, it's more prescient every day that, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis gains uh, power or somehow. I don't know, but yeah. It's, Ron DeSantis still hasn't taken stuff up on the fist fight, I assume? No. Never, he never He's even. He's a coward. He <laughs> Absolute coward. Absolute coward. you're a coward.
1: I'm <laughs> DeSantis, you're a piece of shit and
2: a coward. Todd, Todd Haynes did. I do. I do want to speak for this movie that I think maybe not a lot of people saw for specific reasons, but like uh, Todd Haynes made a documentary about the my favorite band, the Velvet Underground, which came out last year. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. And it's that. oh, it's phenomenal. Like like. I it's and again, it's like Haynes' lens. So there's like, and it's developed underground. So there's like also a lot of like New York queer underground history stuff in there too.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, I've I really love Todd Haynes. I've even like seen the bootleg like copy of his Karen Carpenter story. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it's like, yeah. is just like amazing. <laughs> it was such like an amazing. I mean, I love the carpenters too. I kind of like grew up liking them because my my parents were big fans. But yeah, just, it, I just I love Todd. I he has an eye that is very unusual and something about it like just gets me, like it guts me every single time. Like anything that he does, I'm like, oh, Todd. (laughs) Todd, Amazing, love him. All right, well, we're at the end of our list. So I just wanna say thank you to Alex for like coming on and for being here, we really appreciate you. Thank you,
0: anytime, this is super fun, I love you. Yeah, thank you so much.